I think that if you have a really big dream, let's say you want to you wanna buy a new car, what would you do then? You would save up money, right? Or if you don't even have your driver's license, you would get your driver's license. In my case, I want to host Eurovision Song Contest. How do I do that? Well, I need to have loads of experience on emceeing. I need to be very confident in front of a camera. So what I did was I started doing MC gigs. I started doing TED Talks and I started a YouTube channel. So I think you have to define what your goal is and figure out not necessarily the fastest route to get there, but the necessary stops, if you may, to get there. You're listening to The Mystery Behind Magic. The podcast for ever-learning magicians. Brought to you by Chanat Kish and Robbie Stevens. Hello and welcome to The Mystery Behind Magic. I'm Chanat Kish. And I am Robbie Stevens. And in today's episode, we were joined with Caroline Raven to talk about her personal brand and social media influence as well as TEDx talks and so much more. I, I really enjoyed the yeah. e- episode like every single one that we do and it was great. Shanab, what did you think of it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was such a good episode. Yeah, as you said, shared a lot about what she's planning to do with YouTube, um, some of the decisions she has made as well. We also talked uh, a little about hand modeling and her injury in her thumb as well. A really, really interesting episode. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the mystery behind magic. I'm Janat Kish. And I am Robbie Stevens and today we are joined with Caroline Rown. How are you today, Caroline? I am good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Now, uh, we want to get right in there. And um, first of all, we want to ask, so how did you get into magic? Well, it all started super early for me. You see, my grandfather was a magician. So when I was a kid, he used to, you know, whenever I lost something, he was like, oh, where could you have possibly hidden it or something? And it was always behind my ear. So magic has always been, you know, around me. And it's been very beautiful to have that kind of memory with someone who left me way too early. Uh, He passed away when I was like eight or nine years old. So he never got to experience the... uh, the wonders of Caroline Raven, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it all started. And I've been, you know, fascinated with magic ever since I was a kid. And and after he passed away, I just, you know, left magic aside for a really long time. It was uh, about maybe 15 years before I stepped back. So no magic for 15 years. And uh, well, actually, there was like two months in high school where I found a deck of cards and me and a couple of friends, we were doing some card tricks. Uh, but then we found out that that's not for the cool kids. So we stopped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I came back when I was 23 and today I'm 30. So yeah, it's been a life of magic, I guess. And what interested you? What made you uh, go, oh, I want to get into magic again? Well, it all started with me seeing a magic show at a Christmas party and the magician, his name is Jacob and he was really, really cool and, you know, quite handsome. And uh, I kind of felt like, okay, this is something that I could do too. And I mean, he, I mean, he looked good too, but you know, this entire setting of everything. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Cause I, at the time I was working the church and I was studying theology cause I wanted to become a minister. And, uh, okay. and I mean, that's kind of being an entertainer in a way too, because you have the stage and you have to prepare your material. And I saw that in Jacob, but in a whole new setting. So I met him and he took me to a show. I think it was about a year later. And that's when I met Tom Stone who changed my life. So he saw me do this one card trick and he was like, oh, do you want to learn more magic? You, you look so cool, you know? And I was like, thank you so much. So he ended up becoming my mentor. And uh, two months after meeting Tom Stone, I actually quit my job and my studies to do magic full time. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been a crazy ride. Oh, wow. So he is quite influential then in your life, I guess. So that's quite a nice thing. 
Um, I guess so, yeah. With your yeah. with your grandfather, I noticed that kind of uh, in your TED talks and your website, you I think mention pl- him plucking a coin out of your ear qu- quite frequently. What was the, kind of like, the decision to do that? Was it kind of just to get a bit of background into your magic so it's more personal? Um, yes, and also I think that's a reference that we all have. Someone in our, you know, close close family or someone close to the family that knows a trick. And the coin behind the ear is something that I believe that most of us have either experienced or we've seen on a movie. So bringing that story into my old life and, you know, bringing it into my own life and also bring it into like this kind of motivational or inspirational talks, I think that it lamps easier in people's minds if you can can find something that they can relate to. Because, I mean, magic is something that most of us, well, most people only see one magic show in their entire life. Well, that's what we say, at least. And I think that if we can connect the dots of how magic has been with us our entire life it's going to be easier for them to connect with us as performers and individual people so uh, that's why i do it because i want them to have some form of you know recognition and understand that i am just like them i just chose a different path than you know being an accountant or whatever yeah uh, you sort of mentioned um, a bit earlier that you uh, you studied uh, theology in university. Do you think having a background in theology has helped you in your magic career? Absolutely. Uh, this is something that I've never told anyone, really. Uh, and I actually picked up my theology studies again. Uh, this, what what is it now? This is the, as we're recording this, this is January, January 31st. And I picked it up again, January like 14th. So it's like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. And I quit again, two days later. <laughs> Why? So, <laughs> why? Good question. And so does my parents keep asking me. Um, I picked it up because, uh, well, I picked it up because I've always felt like I wanted to finish my degree in theology because I'm not a quitter and I wanted to do that for myself. And I picked it up and I picked it right back up at a New Testament Greek, which is like incredibly hard. So I did it two days and then I said, nope, <laughs> this is not for me. Bring me back my Tommy Wonder book. <laughs> Okay, yeah. But but yeah, so that's uh, I mean, back to the question. The question was whether I think it's it's been important or helping me in my career. Uh, absolutely yes, because working in the church had well, it gave me a sense of how people are, how we can talk to them, and how to connect with them in different levels and in different ways. Because I get to you know I got to work with toddlers and all the way up to having a funeral. So I basically saw people in every step or stage of their lives and and knowing how to connect with each and every one of them has definitely helped me not only to be you know secure on a stage or secure in my script or having the possibility to change according to the situation so i believe as much experience outside of performing is you know as much as we can get is better for our career in total because if we listen to you know, other magicians who have, you know, done a lot of things like, well, it, maybe we talk about um, David Copperfield for a second. If we if you take a look at that show, it's not just magic. It's not just, you know, a mentalist thing or uh, him going from one place of the stage to another. It, it's so much more. It's theater. It's scripting. It's theater. It, it was, I just said that, but like, uh, what is the word for that? Like storytelling. So I think that yeah. the more we can connect other dots the better our show is going to be and what i learned from the church is how we can take a story and make it our own and i basically do the same thing whenever i you know buy a new trick from someone i take a look at it and i interpret it and i bring it into myself and when i bring it out to the audience i try my very best to make it my own just as i would do with any like bible text or anything like that so definitely helped that's great and Moving on slightly, um, you had an injury um, quite recently, I think. And um, how do you recover from that, I guess? Um, Because you do close-up magic as well. 
and you know close up magic you need the sleight of hand so um if 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 i'm correct it was with your thumb um, that is correct yeah yes 50 how weeks did you ago s- <laughs> wow and how do you recover from something like that um well in my case i still have issues so having a pandemic when i'm not healed is perfect uh so <laughs> I, what happened was i was i was doing dishes and i was you know i'm never doing that again by the way <laughs> don't tell my boyfriend <laughs> so, <laughs> so i was cleaning the glass on the inside and like swirling my hand around oh, and God. apparently the glass had broke in two different places so i oh, sliced my thumb in two places so it was really deep Ooh. Yeah, and I was wearing like, you know, this dish gloves. It was really thick too, and it just went through. And I have an Apple Watch on my wrist, and my first instinct was... Uh, hey Siri, call dad. So uh, Siri calls up my dad and my dad is so funny. So whenever he picks up the phone, he says, every every single time, by the way, he says, speak, spoken, goodbye. (laughs) And and I'm like, dad, no, no, it's an emergency. Because I'm such a drama queen. And uh, I'm like, I'm bleeding, my career is over, you know. Um, And he starts crying on the other end. And he's like, you have to call for an ambulance. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I went to the hospital and I knew that my agent was in a meeting because I just spoke with her like five minutes before this happened. And what she does is that she has her phone. And when she's in a meeting, she turns off the sound and vibration. So she turns the phone around and she has no idea. And uh, I call her like 13 times from the uh, from the taxi and I'm bleeding so much, you guys. So I have this big towel around my hand and I'm sitting there sobbing because I don't want anyone to know like I'm dying on the inside. Uh, and I go to this huge hospital, never been there before in my entire life and go up to the fourth floor for some stupid reason. And I just look around, have no idea what I'm doing because I'm as long as this is happening, you know, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm like, my career is over. That's everything I can think of. And there's this cute nurse and she comes up to me and she's like, oh dear, you look so lost. And, and then I just break down and cry. I was like, oh my God, this is over. So she walks me to the emergency room and, you know, it's it's crazy. And, and my boyfriend comes, he like, he just takes all of his meetings and just, you know, cancels everything. He rushes to the emergency room. And as he comes in, my phone is ringing and I'm bleeding and it's Charlotte, my agent. And he picks up the phone. Remember, I called her like 13 times. She knows something happened. He picks up and he says, hey, Charlotte, we're at the hospital. And she's like, what? <laughs> uh, and, and then it just was like three months of constant pain. And because um, what happened was that I, they had to put eight stitches and luckily, Andreas, my boyfriend, was with me because he was like, okay, she's a magician. She does hand modeling gigs. So you have to really pay attention to what you're doing. So I ended up going to like a specialist unit at the hospital. So it looks great, but I still have a lot of pain and I can't, you know, squeeze out ketchup or, you know, shampoo or anything like that. And uh, my, what is the word for that? Like a, like a ring finger and my little finger on the same hand, uh, it gets like tingly sometimes and Mm. it's like I'm losing sensation on the tips of those fingers so I'm actually going to uh, like a Chinese chiropractor or whatever it's called Uh, he does like um, Chinese medicine on my hand and I've been actually getting a lot better since I started going to him so what he does is that he does acupuncture in my thumb and my entire hand and all the way up to my neck because there's since I lost so much strength in my thumb i've i've been overcompensating all the way up to my neck apparently and that's what's causing my fingers to numb uh so it's not awesome (laughs) so i'm still trying to get back so i am kind of glad that i don't perform six nights a week anymore Mm -hmm. uh, so i can heal properly Uh, but i mean back to the question again it's uh, how am i recovering you know, it's just about practice. I think Shin Lim did something too, or he slipped his, wasn't yeah. it thumb or something like that? Or wrist, I can't remember. And he said the same thing. You just have to, you know, push through and keep exercising and keep practicing. And also, I think it's important to consult really, really good people on this. So I went to like a, like a chiropractor and I went for massages and I went to physical therapy 
and nothing really worked. And when I found this Chinese guy uh, using completely different methods than I'm used to, and it just changed everything. So as I'm looking at my hand now, I have a really big scar, so I'm not seeing any, you know, uh, hand modeling gigs anytime soon. And if you if you take a look at your hand and you have your your pinky, you kind of have this side of the hand. That entire piece of the hand is completely numb. So I'm hoping to get all my sensation back. So again, I'm never doing dishes again in my entire life. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm off. <laughs> you mentioned hand modeling, which is quite a, a unique and interesting thing. How did you kind of get into that and realize, oh, I could be a, a hand model? Well, they called me, apparently, because I, I do hand modeling gigs for, well, I did, I guess, for McDonald's France, and I live in Stockholm, so I've never been to Paris when they called me up. So I went for an audition here in Stockholm, and they were looking specifically for a very pale hand, and because they wanted it to be like a French skin, and I am transparent, so <laughs> so I fit right in. So they wanted someone who was super duper pale and they wanted someone who could do the same moves a million times without it changing. So they figured using a magician would probably be their best bet. And they were right. I think we've done like 20 commercials or something. So yeah. every commercial you see for McDonald's fronts on, you know, uh, TV or the movies or YouTube, it's going to be my hands. But they put another face on it. So I guess that's fine. <laughs> um. And how, what was the experience like? So after you've auditioned, you've got the, did they say immediately you've got the job or did they call you up a couple of days or weeks later? Um, I think they called me up a few weeks later, actually, because I had to record something in my house. Because um, it was a Swedish production company working for McDonald's France. So mm. we ended up doing the first commercials here in Stockholm. And I'm not super good with the coin rule. I never was. So they ended up hiring. If you haven't seen the, the commercials, it starts like this. It's a coin roll. And then there's a magic trick with a hamburger, basically. And then there's milkshakes changing colors. And, you know, everything is happening. But the first thing you see is the coin roll. And I'm not very good. So they ended up hiring a uh, professional poker player. And he was like super much darker than I was. So they ended up having to um, to wax off all of his hair on his arm because that was black. And then they ended up having to put foundation all over his hand. So he looked so funny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and he did the coin roll and then he was out. Uh, I'm sure he got a lot of money for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, royalties that'll, that'll every just year. just be weird. <laughs> That would just be weird to have one hand waxed and the other one full of hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess you waxed the other one as well. Um, moving a bit on. Um, so you've mentioned you do quite. Um, uh, oh, sorry. That um, how do you how do you build an online presence? Oh wow, that's a good question. Um, I think that. If we start to talk about just your brand or what you're doing, I think that's the first step, like finding out who you are. Like, I don't want to talk about like niche. I think that's like too narrow, but okay. So if you are a magician or you're a juggler or you're a mentalist, so that is what people will be expecting from you, I guess. So if, if you say you are a magician, what goes under the umbrella of being a magician? It could be magic tricks, it could be magic books or playing cards or rope tricks or whatever it is that you want to add to that. And then you kind of figure out what could be under each and every one of those. So what goes under card tricks? That is uh, a, a book about card magic and it is a slide and it's a uh, it's a different you know something something about that Marlowe thing that you saw way back um, so I think that's how you should start if you if you don't do any social media or anything like right now or if you want to change your game a little that's where I would start I do a lot of inspirational speaking and emceeing so on, on all of my channels you're gonna see more about me as a person than just being the magic person 
I think that's more interesting because my main goal is, you know, in life, I guess, is to, you know, both have the theater in Vegas, but I also want to be the host of Eurovision Song Contest because that's like the most magical show of the year. And I always wanted to do it. And the way that I get to do it is becoming one of Sweden's most well-known female performers, not just a magician. So that's my strategy for it. I want to be as broad and as, you know, seen uh, by many people as I possibly can, because that's the only way to do it. Kind of related to that, I I was reading a blog post which you wrote on Nobody Knows. And one of the things you said was um, dream bigger. So I think, how how would you say the best ways to achieve your dreams? I think that if you have a really big dream, let's say you want to, you want to buy a new car, what would you do then? You would save up money, right? Or if you don't even have your driver's license, you would get your driver's license. In my case, I want to host Eurovision Song Contest. How do I do that? Well, I need to have loads of experience on emceeing. I need to be very confident in front of a camera so what I did was I started doing MC gigs, I started doing TED Talks, and I started a YouTube channel. So I think you have to define what your goal is and figure out not necessarily the fastest route to get there, but the necessary stops, if you may, to get there. Like if you want to have your show in Vegas, how can you get there? Well, at first, I guess you need to have a show. And to be able to get a show, you need to know everything around that you need to know how do I put tricks together in like a right order how do I how do I learn new tricks how do I work with a director how do I put lighting on my show do I maybe need to hire someone and all of that stuff will lead you to the goal so how you reach your goal it all depends on your destination but I think it's it's probably very wise to not just take the fastest route take some side cuts I guess and side cuts not the words like side roads what is the word for that? Detour. Yeah, so I... yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's the more you can learn along the way, the better it is. Just like me working in the church or me preaching and me quitting Greek again, because that's hard. Uh, you learn so much about who you are and who you want to be. Because, I mean, those two days I spent learning Greek again, uh, I mean, it was fun. It was, you know, interesting. But when I quit again, I was like, is this really going to take me to Vegas? Is this really going to take me to Eurovision? Or, well, I have another goal, and that's to be one of the voices for a Swedish princess for Disney. So, I mean, will that get me closer to that? No, it's not gonna. So I ended up quitting. And, uh, you know, when when you find that passion, what you want to do, the road kind of gets clear by itself. So don't just feel like you have to rush to get to the goal. Because then again, if you reach the goal too early, what are you going to do then? Like, I'm 30 now. What if I get my show in Vegas this year? What if I have the Disney voice? What if I also get to host Eurovision this year? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? It's, I mean, it's a long life, hopefully, for most of us. So I think that we should not rush it and just enjoy the moment too, because it's, I mean, we've heard this so many times, it's like a cliche, but it's its also the, the uh, destination might be one of the goals, but I think that the journey there is maybe more important than just getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think like building up a repertoire, um, so like having that background information, um, that background really helps as well um so just a little bit uh context to our listeners if um they haven't seen you before uh you have um just under uh 40k followers on instagram and you have a youtube channel uh with um just over three uh three thousand subscribers at the moment so you know a lot about building um, your own brand or of yourself basically because that's what you know having a social presence um, is how what do you th- what do you think that the most um, beneficial way of just uh, trying to build your online presence is it like you said just showing um, what you're doing or is there anything else I think you need to be more interesting than the other people 
So, I mean, social media is a huge place. We see people coming on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram every single day and now TikTok too. And I think the way we have to stand out is to be something different, not necessarily something different than you are yourself, but trying to find a way to stand out. Because, I mean, what, what is that guy's name? He's a, I think he lives in New York. He's a magician. Uh, he, um, I'm probably going to find his name later on, but he, he does this thing where he does a tip of the day. So it's like Instagram reels and I think when he started, he had something like 70,000 followers, but now he's up to over 100K in like no time because uh, he did reels where he's like uh, life, less oh, life lessons with John, the magician. That's what he starts with. And it's, it's really interesting how he does a magic trick super duper quick. And he's like, oh, if you feel like you're struggling, remember other people are struggling too. be kind to someone today. Oh, tag a friend who needs to see this. And that's really, really blowing up. And I think he's helping a lot of people by just sharing super quick tip of the day. And he encourages people to follow him by asking them to tag friends like all the same time. And all the time he's doing it. And every single time I see, I see his posts, I see so many comments. Like we're talking hundreds of comments. So that's a really good way to do it. Like find find something that's going to work for you. In the beginning, when I started doing YouTube, I started with deck reviews because, well, I design playing cards and uh, and having done that, I have a lot of experience with um, how cards feel and what the stocks are and how boxes are supposed to be to be more elegant and durable. So I started that on YouTube when when I realized that that was not what I wanted to do. It wasn't bringing me any happiness anymore. I decided to to back away from it for, a, for like a couple of months. And when I came back, I wanted to do like, um, what do we call it? Like business advice or social media advice or, you know, the things that you need to be able to do to do magic full time. So it's basically helping with the tech and business and enter- entrepreneurial side for business and solo entrepreneurs to build their, you know, confidence and social media presence and what you need to think about to create your team and all of that stuff that we forget about so many times when we're magicians. And during this year, I really had the time to sit down and think about all of these things. Like, um, how do you, how do you work with a director and how do you record videos for a YouTube channel and all of those things that I feel like we're neglecting if we want to do magic full time there's there's a reason that business is the longer word in show business because i mean there's so many things that goes into this so i think that if you if you want to find how you can bring up your i don't know magic or career or business or whatever you want to call it i think it's a really good way to figure out a way to also help people so in my in my case my youtube started growing when i started helping people more because in the beginning, it's like, oh, this deck is really cool. It's beautiful. It's red. And I mean, it was funny. People were watching it and they were enjoying it. But I've been getting so many more messages now about people actually getting some value out of my content when I started helping them. So I've been teaching things like uh, this is a way for you to light your videos super cheap or this is a really good camera for a low price that you can get. And this is how you can do reels. And I've been seeing that the more I help, the easier it's not only to be getting more followers or getting more you know, traction, but also it feels good. So if you are a magician and you're doing card tricks or whatever it is that you want to do, I think that if you can find a way to give that feeling of, you know, I'm helping them, I'm teaching them, I'm giving something back, the more you're going to get out of actually sitting down and getting those hours into creating. Because most of the times I do a YouTube video, it takes like, I don't know, three to five hours every single week to get one done. And doing that, I mean, it's, it's nice and it's fun, but it would not be fun if I didn't feel like people were, you know, getting some value and people were watching it. Um, I, yeah, and I talking about your YouTube, I just want to um, say some of the things you've done on there before. So if anybody's interested, they can check you out on um, Raven Magic. So R-A-V-N Magic. So latest one is uh, a vlog. You took a helicopter ride over snowy uh, Swedish mountains um, where magic happens. So you put a full magic show on there, which was really, really mm-hmm. interesting. I really like that one, actually. 
um, how to make YouTube thumbnails, how, how I edit my videos, how to use epidemic sounds, um, YouTube studio setup and goals and challenges. This was um, back in the beginning of 2021 and loads of like, as you said, helpful uh, things that helps, you know, people, um, you know, just helps people out, which I think is really nice. Mm. I hope so. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting as well. So that's good. Um, yeah, how so? Um, and what what made you what made you decide to put your um, full magic show um, on YouTube? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, this was something that we, me and the team, has been talking. We have been talking about this since May. So we did the show in May twenty first, I think, uh, last year. So the the background of the show is it was a seventy five minute show that we toured Sweden with twenty eighteen, and it was great. We had a lot of fun. And after doing it, we decided. Well, when the tour was over, we wanted to do another show, and it was planned for the fall of twenty twenty. Apparently, that didn't happen. And when the pandemic hit, I lost so many gigs, like my entire calendar just, you know, went completely blank. And as we were sitting there in the middle of March and thinking like, okay, what do we, what do we do now? Because one, we don't know what to do with, you know, money. We need money coming in because if 2020 is canceled, how am I going to survive? So we started thinking that maybe it would be a good idea to start doing online shows. And I think I was probably one of the first people to do it during the pandemic. So most people, what I saw was that they did Zoom shows. And I mean, that's that's good, I guess. Um, but I wanted to do something different. So I, I actually rented a 1,120 seat theater and a camera crew and lights technicians and you know sound people and uh i had 11 friends come in well it was actually like nine friends and two people i'd never met so they came into the theater and we did a show and people paid i think it was ten dollars to see the show and after the show we we were like what do we do now do we do we do it again and sell tickets again or do we actually just put this up on the internet is that fair for the people who paid ten dollars or whatever it was um so we decided to do we, we waited a, f a few months before we put it up on the internet again and we put it up as as a ticketed thing you could buy it for i think it was like five dollars or something and we realized that it's it's not doing anything for us. I mean, we were getting some money in, and I guess that was nice. But then again, if we talk about my YouTube channel and my social media presence, it's all about helping people. So I figured if I put it up on the internet, maybe that would be a way for other people to be inspired. Because now we have the most time we've ever had to create something. And the last, I want to say, like five times I've done lectures it's always been about how to create your own show and how to go from idea to premiere night. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been talking about the, the process. How do, you, how do you find your idea? How do you work with a team? And how do you actually put this up on the internet? Or how do you put this up in a theater? So I've created a course that is just that. It's from idea to premiere night. And, and I figure that that's probably the wisest thing to do, not only business-wise, like how people would get into my course by actually seeing the show, but also helping people because I've been getting a lot of help myself, getting where the magic happens out just like that. It took a team of 16 people. And even though I was, you know, paying some of them and not everyone, I guess, I should have probably paid more than I did now that I think of it. But having that team around me, having that support, having you know, everyone be in on the same project. I think that that's what, what's been driving me to create more things all the time. So if people watch Where the Magic Happens on, on YouTube, they're going to see a shorter version of the show. This is actually the one that we did for the online presence thing. Uh, I hope that they're going to be inspired to do something themselves. Because what I see a lot of my colleagues doing here in Sweden is that they when the pandemic hit, they were like, okay, I'm out. So they were hiding in their, you know, apartments and getting super bitter and not working and, you know, being super angry on social media. And I don't want to be that person. I want magic to be what inspires me and inspires others. 
So I've just tried to do the best I can. And it's been really, it's been getting really great reviews after I put it up. So I'm really happy that I did it. You mentioned your team, I guess having a manager as well. So I think you you said um, in a previous podcast that your manager kind of came about by happenstance. So would you recommend that people kind of go out of their way to find one? Or, or do you think it should just kind of, kind of come about if it if the opportunity arises? And like, what kind of people do you think should have a manager, I guess? Oh, that's, um, that's a really good question. I think it all depends on the person. Um, well, I remember I was in... Oh, it was I was in London for the session. It's a magic convention. If you haven't been, it's a really nice convention. And uh, Dynamo was there with his uh, manager or agent or whatever he calls it. Uh, and they are just what I want my entire team to be. It's like they're doing everything together. They are all in or they're all out, and they're doing it together. So when I met Charlotte, uh, I was doing a show. It, well, I was actually part of a network uh, of entrepreneurs, and I was there to just you know hang out and the uh, the leader of that group he was like oh caroline can you please do a magic trick and i had brought you know nothing to perform with and we always use that as an excuse to not perform and we should not so so i brought out this big you know notepad thing and i did a magic square trick and during the show there was this guy and he was such a heckler and he was the worst and he had been drinking and he was just trying to get me to feel bad and look bad so I was, you know, doing my show and I was, you know, super confident and I just put him down the way that I've I've been taught to do it. And he just shut up immediately, basically. And afterwards, this this girl comes up to me. I've never met her before. And she was like 27 years old and me too. And she was so cool. And uh, she was like, oh, you're so amazing. You're so cool. I've never liked magic at all. And when I heard there was a magician, I was I was just about to leave the place. Uh, but then I ended up staying and I saw the show and I loved it so much. And I had no idea that she was an agent. And uh, we ended up taking, I think it was like three or four meetings before I agreed to you know, let go of some of my business. Because up until this point, I had done everything, every single thing myself. Um, not saying that that's very smart, but I did. Uh, but after hiring Charlotte, I, it's not like, it, it's not like I'm her boss or she's my boss or anything. It's, we're really a team and we're doing every single decision together. And, um, my career has changed in so many different ways and I'm, I'm a better performer. I am a better, you know, social media presence person or whatever you want to call it or influencer or what you want to say. I can charge way more. My website is way more professional than it was ever before. And we ended up hiring so many people to join us because it's people that not just I think are good for me. It's people that she can see that's going to help me along the way. So every single decision we do together. And I think that that works for me because I'm a very teamy person, I guess. Maybe that's from working in the church. I don't know. Uh, But I've always been like that. I want everyone to be on the same page when we do things. And if you are that kind of a person, I think that's the sort of agent or manager you want to look for. But if you just want someone to book you gigs, or if you want someone to just take care of your calendar, uh, I think you don't need that kind of a relationship. And I think if, if you just want to get gigs, there are so many event planners out there you can reach out to. And I would recommend you to, to invite them to a show where you have the best possible conditions. So don't just, don't just invite them to any sort of, you know, I have a gig on Wednesday and just happens to be a gig, but pay attention to the client and the venue and uh, what kind of a show you're going to be able to do and show them your A game. Cause when they see you perform and they can see you, you know, shine like the star you are, it's going to be so much easier for them to understand how they can package you and then sell you to other clients. So I was very lucky to have Charlotte in that room at that night. And I'm so happy that she stayed. And she loves telling the story of how she almost walked out of the best thing that's ever happened to her. And it feels like we're talking about our marriage. Um, but yeah, she's uh, she's definitely one of the best things that ever happened to me. And uh, we ended up being becoming very, very good friends too. And, um, and, and I wish that for everyone to have people like that on your team who, who allows you to be the creative person that you are and allows you to have crazy dreams. Because, I mean, when we did the word that magic happens, when we started talking about it, 
I was like, oh my God, it would be so funny if we did this and this. Like I wanted to have, you know, the curtain be down and then some sexy music coming on and the curtain goes up and you see a messy bed on the stage and I just walk in and say, oh, it's not that kind of show. And then the, sh the bed just, you know, moves out of the stage. And she laughed for like two seconds and she was like, no, we're not doing that. That's not good for your brand. Uh, so, and she was right. I mean, that would have been so funny. It would be amazing. But I'm so happy to have someone around me who not just, you know, puts a lid on my crazy ideas, but also can take this idea and she understands the idea and bring that into something else. Like instead of having that, we ended up having a joke where where someone is sitting on an envelope with a um, with a celebrity. It's the trick is called celebrity smartass. And they're sitting on, I think it's like Brad Pitt or something. And we talk about different celebrities. And, and when it's like Orlando Bloom, I say, uh, oh, I don't know about you, but that's a face I would like to sit on. So we still have those sexual jokes in the show. And she, she just saw that I wanted to have something like that because it's called Where the Magic Happens. We need to talk about it in some way. Um, so having someone on your team where, where you can feel like you can be your best self at any single time, uh, that is probably the best thing. But again, if you just want someone to book you, invite them to your show. And also, I guess, you know, um, she was sort of looking out for you um, to push you in the right direction. I mean, that's yeah. great as well. And also, you know, the friend, the, the friendship between you two, I think, is also very important. Um, so when you got your agent, um, your income skyrocketed by 400%. Uh, percent. Um, that's correct. What do you think? What do you think the reasons were for that? Well, not only did she know everyone in the industry, because she had been an agent for a long time, um, but also I think when, when you're trying to negotiate your fee yourself and not for someone else, it's easier to be like, oh, I don't, I don't think I'm worth that much. Or, oh, what if they say no? Because it's, it's about you and it's about how much you feel like you're worth. So when I told her at our very first meeting how much I charged, she was like, what? That, that that's for one meeting right that's not for a show and I was like oh yeah that could be up to two days of shows and she was like what you're crazy <laughs> and uh because I, I mean I, I was not super experienced I was not like a like a high roller or anything I had never done a real show I mean I had some tricks that I put in an order that felt okay I did not have a closer I did not have an opener um but she really opened up my eyes to what's possible and and how I can become the person that I want to be so um what was the question again <laughs> how great Charlotte is that's uh, the answer <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah it was what was the reasons um oh yeah yeah of... for, for increasing yeah. the money yeah. yeah 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 um yeah I think that's that's it and also the the way that she has of you know talking to ch to clients she she's a um, like if, if you were to talk to her and you want to book a show and she says well the show is um, I don't know seven thousand euros and they said oh we we don't have that much money we have uh, one thousand or something she would go oh okay I look forward to a time where neither you or I need to compromise on you know the the fees or the um uh, what is the word for that like um yeah the circumstances around something like this and we want to work with you in the future and you're more than welcome to uh, to contact us again so she would not go oh okay so for that price she can do five minutes on zoom because it's either you go full in and you book the show because she knows my value or you don't so i think that's that's a very good way for her to also negotiate with the clients so instead of instead of she going lowering down the price she could either you know give something extra like something she's we've been doing a lot lately is we always do a 30 minute call with the client and now people are doing everything online and to get more clients on board on us doing this thing online we do a customized video for the client so they can send that out to their colleagues so before the show or before the after work or whatever it is that they want to do they get a specialized video where i talk about what we're going to do so most of the time it's either i teach them a trick in the video or i just get them super excited and uh, and that's really been 
easier for Charlotte than to take a lot of money for doing the show. So instead of lowering the price, give them more value. So that's what she does. Yeah. And also you sort of said um, that she's good with speaking with clients. And I think that's sort of almost like another art in itself. So as magicians, we're good as magicians, but maybe not so good or at least some people on the business side of things but when you bring in something like charlotte you can she can focus on the business sides and then the magician you can focus on doing your magic practicing you know so um because mm-hmm. you know agents and managers know how to speak to clients how to you know set a fair price and everything else as well which is difficult to do as you said when you're looking at yourself Mm. Um, and also when you have to do everything yourself like you have mm. to in the beginning you have to do your own website you have to take your own photos you yeah. have to you know plan everything yourself yeah. so the, the more you can outsource i think the better it is yeah. uh we outsource doing my new website and it ended up taking months because i am not really good at writing texts about myself so it's when I look back at the new website, if you haven't seen it, by the way, it's beautiful. So you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> but, it is uh, amazing. So I, yeah, it, it is, is amazing, right? Yeah. It is. We'll have so it in the I've... show notes. <laughs> oh, will you? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll so, put it there and you can take a look. Um, yeah, it's actually gorgeous. Yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah. if I were to hire someone to do the, uh, what would it, like a, the copyright, if someone were to do the text, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would take, you know, so much less time, I guess. Uh, I ended up procrastinating this for months. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that's one of the things that I'm not very good at. Yeah, yeah. And also, like you said about outsourcing, once again, you can focus more about magic because after all, that's what we want to do. And mm. sometimes we do have to do the nitty gritty things, but um, it's nice when, you know, you can focus on just performing magic. Um yeah, and you've mentioned sort of doing TED Talks earlier and why you think it will be a good thing, you know, to get that Eurovision gig. Are there any other reasons um, you did them or are you, you are doing them? I think when people hear about you've done a TED Talk, you get a different you get a different like a uh, level of credibility for you being good at the things that you do. Um, you're as good as, you know, people like Greta Thunberg or uh, what is his name? Uh, <laughs> Bill Gates or, you know, uh, all of these people who have done TED Talks that you've all seen. And, it, and also Leonard Green did one that was amazing. If you haven't seen Leonard Green's TED Talk, you have to do it because it's, it's mind blowing. Also, David Blaine did one, I believe. Um, so if you say that you've done a TED talk, people go like, oh, that's, that's really cool. And when you say you've done three TED talks, they go, what? And then you say you hosted the world's first virtual TED talk. They go, what? You're insane. Uh, and then you go, no, I have a really good agent. Uh, that's why I do it. No, because <laughs> I like to brag about the things that she booked for me. No, uh, I think that <laughs> if if you have the possibility to do a TED talk, you should definitely do it. And if you, if you don't know how to get one, you can go to, let's say you have one in your city. Let's say you have um, TEDx London or something. You go to their website and you will see a full list of people who work there. So you want to find someone who is like working with the talents or someone who is uh, a creator or some sort. And you just email that person. Or even better, if you can go, if you have like a LinkedIn page, you go to their LinkedIn page and you connect with them there and you tell them about who you are and what you've done in the past. And a short like synopsis, is that the word? Like, um, like a short story of what you want to do and they will put you in mm-hmm. contact with the right kind of person to, to be able to book something like this. Because we have to understand that we're magicians, we're miracle workers, we're superheroes, and they are looking for people like us to entertain their clients. So it might not be a, like an actual TED Talk the first time you do it. You might be a middle act, but having that on your resume is amazing. And the people you will collect, connect with there, also amazing. So, I mean, I did the first one and that was great. And then within half a year, I was doing, you know, my second one. So I think hmm. the more you can get your foot into that, the better it is. So if you just offer your services, just do it and just go like, um, I'm a performer. I do this. This is my show reel or this is my website or, you know, my social media or whatever. Um, 
because I mean, TED TED is TED stands for technology, entertainment, and design. So I mean, we are part of what they're looking for, and finding entertainers who are willing to do this, I don't think that's super duper easy because it's scary and it's you know it's a it's a different format than we're used to. If we go one second over eighteen minutes they're not going to send it out. Like it's, you're going to do it right there in the venue. But if you go over 18 minutes, they're not going to give you the video. And and that's what you want. You want the video where it says that you did a TED talk and it's going to be on TED.com. And it's really, really cool to be able to put that on everything that you've done. And and having that on your website, it looks really, really cool. So uh, I highly recommend every entertainer and magician to actually go out and do this. And you don't have to do it as a magic show either. The first one I did was, it's called, um, I think it's called Childlike Wonder. I basically just talk about my grandfather and how I believe that uh, it's not really, I I believe that, but it's like, uh, I say that it's... um, there's the center in your brain, like a piece of your brain that activates when you when you watch magic. And what if that place in your brain is the same piece where we connect the peekaboo thing? Like, what if that's the same thing that connects our brains? That would mean that magic is the first type of communication that we learn to understand. And maybe that is why we feel so much joy and excitement when we see magic. Uh, I mean, it's not scientific or anything. It's more like a thought. What if, what if this is the way? What if magic is the first type of communication we understand? What does that mean for us as grown-ups when we watch magic? Uh, again, not scientific, but kind of a fun thought. Um. Now we have sort of the last questions, um, sort of almost like a quick fire round uh, questions. Okay. As, and then, yeah, we can do that. So what is your favorite um, book uh, on magic? If you could only keep one book, which book would it be? Maximum Entertainment by Ken Weber. Um, and then, and then one piece of advice you would give your younger self, what, what would that be? Don't quit magic when you're eight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also for my high school, Caroline, uh, yes, the cool kids do perform magic. <laughs> um, what's your favorite deck of cards? So if you could only keep one deck of cards, which one would it be? Uh, it would be Raven Playing Cards uh, X Limited Edition. Then, um, are there any aspects um, you want to any other aspects of magic you would like to discover in the future yeah I've never done any illusions well that's not true I did an interlude one if you don't know what that is that is basically a magician standing in a box and you see the assistant walking through or you know crawling through the belly I did that once and apparently my butt is too big to be the crawler so I ended up getting stuck in the machine uh that sucked and we have it on video I might put that up on the internet one day uh but yeah I want to explore more illusions I think that's fun Great, so more illusions. Thank you so much, um, Caroline, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for everything you've shared with us. Um, Yeah, that was really great. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, Yeah, thank thank you, Caroline. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for listening.